a win and a much-needed one at that for the Indiana Pacers who go to Miami, don't get swept, win without Tyrese Halliburton against the Heat, stay over 500, big adjustments, huge nights from role players. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about on today's bonus weekend Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Sunday, y'all. Bonus weekend, Locked On Pacers. Welcome in here. My name's Tony East. I cover the Pacers for Forbes and SI. And today, we're swooping in for more content. Talking Pacers, Heat, the game that just happened. I feel better. I can actually talk for 20 to 25 minutes consecutively. And we're going to break down a game. Because the Pacers deserve to be talked about. Winning any game for them without Tyrese Halliburton is a big deal. Given how last season went without him. Uh, given how this season went, their only game without him prior to tonight, they got smoked by 51 points in Boston. And then they go to M- Miami against the Heat team that just beat them by 10 two days before and win without their star and look very good for much of the night. A very impressive performance from the Pacers who avoid a three-game losing streak, who prove they can have some success without their star player, who had all of their role guys step up and play a great game, who adjusted from a loss two days prior against the same team. A lot happened productively for the Pacers, very reminiscent of what they did in Philly earlier in the season where they lost the first game, adjusted against some of the obvious and some lesser obvious adjustments, and looked much better in the second game. This prideful team has been good at adjusting these last two seasons. I said this a lot last year when they were a worse team, that they always adjusted pretty well and responded well. And that is something they did again in Miami. Impressive win. Pacers beat the Heat Saturday night, uh, 144-129. Why am I not talking about this Monday like normal? Well, Pacers have an in-season tournament game tomorrow. Celtics in town. I want to really get that one hyped up. John Krause from Lockdown Celtics and I going to do a show for that. So you get weekend Pacers Heat content. So I did not expect this to be this kind of show. Pacers winning by 15 because we found out Tyrese Halburn out right before the game. It was uh, put on the injury report in the morning. Uh, that he had a knee bruise uh, in his uh, right knee. And I thought, oh, that's random and I don't know where. But he was actually out because he was sick. Non-COVID illness. So that is better, <laughs> at least for the prognosis, than an actual bodily injury. The sickness can clear. They have a huge game, a TNT game. No way Tyrese Halburn's missing a national TV game. Uh, on Monday. I don't actually know how he's feeling, but just given the way he's talked about this and what happened last time they played the Celtics, I'd be stunned. Stunned if he did not play come Monday. But he was out, and the Pacers just lost to the Heat. They gave up 142 Thursday night. They had no answer for Jimmy Butler. Their offense was fine. They actually got good looks, but they didn't make them. But without Halliburton, who scored 44 points in that game and had 10 assists, I thought it would be hard for the Pacers to have Good offense for 48 minutes. I thought they'd have some good stretches, certainly. I thought it'd be hard for them to have good offense for 48 minutes. And then they couldn't score to start the game. The Pacers were losing for much of the first quarter. They could not score in the first half. They were actually losing for all the first half except for one heat possession that started them ahead. And the Pacers scored. On the first six minutes of this game, they scored seven points. And then in the last 42 minutes, they scored 137 points. They came alive after the start. And it really went beyond the first six minutes. That was just like a clean cutoff for this. They had 12 points after nine minutes. 
right? Like, it just was crazy how slow they started. And then they scored 13 points in the last three minutes of the first quarter. And so they had 25 after one, which is not a high number. And remember, they scored 144. So this game just totally went crazy for them from the second quarter on. 40 in the second, 41 in the third, 38 in the fourth. Not they. Not only did they figure out how they wanted to play against the Heat, they executed perfectly, and they made their freaking shots. And it was really impressive that their offense held on as long as it did. In the end, the Heat missed some threes late, but the Heat were also hot from three. The Heat missed their last three to get under 50%, so the, the Heat were actually shooting a better percentage from deep than the Pacers, which was the only thing preventing this one from being a blowout. Second quarter, when the Pacers finally got hot, they were 4 of 8 from deep, and they were 13 for 15 on twos. <laughs> it was ridiculous. 40 points and only two turnovers, and that's a big theme from this game. In the third quarter, I thought, eh, I don't know if the Pacers can keep up 40 against the Heat. Oh, how about 6 of 7 from deep <laughs> and 10 for 14 on twos and only two turnovers. They scored 41 in that quarter. Oh, but they're barely up. They've got to do it again against the Miami team that just kicked their butt in the fourth quarter two nights earlier. Oh, how about in the fourth? They go 5 for 7 from deep. <laughs> and nine of ten on twos with only three turnovers. It was insane. So this miserable first quarter where they go one of ten from deep in the first quarter and they miss some free throws again. I thought this is going to be a carbon copy of the same game we just saw Thursday. And then they were just unbelievable. The whole rest of the game offensively it was an awesome night for the Pacers on the end of the floor. They end up the game 50% on threes. 16 for 32. They only turned it over nine times, right? If you're going to win without Tyrese Halliburton, you're going to win the possession battle. And they out-rebounded the Heat 32-28. Really fantastic ad adjustment and focus on the little things by the Pacers. And, of course, it helps when you shoot like that. But the Heat were also shooting like that. The Heat went 12 of 25 from deep and shot better from the foul line. The Pacers did the possession game well, and they played their game. It was really impressive uh, of a style win for the Pacers to figure out the ways to get it done from the foul line and figure out the ways to just make a ridiculous, ridiculous percentage of their shots. They were getting whatever look they wanted, and that is where we start this game. Well, I just kind of summed up the entire game. But that's where I want to start here is the Pacers shooting 66%. How? That is insane, right? That's a ridiculous percentage. Sometimes a ridiculous percentage, like you could point to going 16 for 32 from three, but that's really good on twos also, right? That means they went... 40 for 53 on twos. That's still insane. So what were the Pacers doing to make whatever shot they wanted, right? Buddy Heald went two for three on twos. Obi Toppin went three for three on twos. Miles Turner went seven for eight on twos. Bruce Brown, who, man, are we going to talk about Bruce Brown, went seven for 10 on twos. And Andrew Nemhard had an off night. He was one for five on twos. That was the starters. Um, they all were on fire inside the arc. They were attacking the rim like crazy. If you listen to my Thursday podcast after Pacers Heat, Bam Adebayo got hurt at halftime, and the Pacers were up nine, and then he didn't play the rest of the game. Bam did not play in this game either, and I kind of shrugged that off. I was like, well, it doesn't matter. We already saw the Pacers. It doesn't matter if Bam plays or not. In fact, the Heat were better without him, which isn't actually true, but you get what I'm saying. And so I was wondering if they would adjust to that because a big point I made on Thursday was – why did they settled for so many threes? It took more threes in the second half with Bam out than when Bam was in. And some of that was the Heat doubling Halliburton, which meant shooters were open and they were open shots, and that's great. But I thought they should attack the rim more. In this game, boy, did they. Boy, did they. The Pacers in this game, 76 points in the paint. I think they had 42 or 44 
at halftime. I mean, it was ridiculous. And the Heat tried to go zone, especially against these bench groups, right? Halburn's out. So the Pacers bench was McConnell, Neesmith, Jackson, Matherin. Not a great shooting group normally. They were on fire in this game. Credit to them for making the shots. So they went zone, which was smart. But McConnell was crushing it, penetrating in lane. McConnell was unbelievably good in this game. They were awesome carving up the middle of the zone. And those guys were making just everything. Unbelievable bench night. We'll get to them. And so the Heat didn't, they could do anything. There was nothing they could do to stop the Pacers from getting to the rim, attacking it. And Orlando Robinson couldn't stop shots at the basket. And Thomas Bryant didn't even play. They were just going small. Kevin Love was at center sometimes. That didn't really work. Caleb Martin was the center for a stretch. That didn't work. Like, they could not get any rim protection. And we heard on the broadcast on Thursday, the Pacers with this new trend or this new phrase. I don't know if they're saying it internally a lot, but they were saying paint is great. And the drives were the thing that changed this game for the Pacers. They took 32 threes. They took 43 on Thursday. And they were open again, but I don't think they settled as much as they did in that game. They were attacking the rim. They were playing their style, even without Tyrese Halburn. Reminder, before this game, they were 7-20 and with Halburn out since the start of last season, right? That's like a 23-22 win team. To have this kind of win without him on the road is very impressive, especially considering that this team had lost two in a row and looked like they were losing some life. And so to run this hot, to play this well without him, great performance from the Pacers. They needed it. They're 10 and 8. And how did they do it? Well, everybody stepped up. Bruce Brown is going to get a ton of talk today, but everybody deserves a ton of talk for the way that this game went. And we're going to talk about it after we talk about FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. It's actually a game day for the NFL. Very rare you get to hear me. On an NFL game day. But right now, new customers on FanDuel get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. How about that? You win a $5 money line bet, $150. Bucks. Whew, that's a lot of money. If your team wins, boom. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get in on the action. NFL rolling. I think this is the last bye week before the playoff stretch run. NBA is obviously off and running. We get in-season tournament action this week. NHL off their season's going as well, and you can hop on FanDuel, get in on all that action. Their app is easy to use. They have a wide range of betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, you name it. They got it and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season over on FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Back here on Lockdown Pacers, thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day. Check out the great folks at Lockdown Heat for your second one. Wes Goldberg, David Ramil, the GOATs. Covering a great team. They do blame pie after losses. I'm sure we'll get to hear about some blame pie whenever they release their post game from the second Pacers Heat game. Um, I have my suspicions on who they're going to pick, but I will not speak for them. Um, Pacers when we got Halberton, obviously impressive. Who stepped up? Everybody. Everybody. But the man, the face of it, Mr. Miami himself, Bruce Brown. By far Bruce Brown's best game of the season. Bruce Brown, 30 points, 3-0, four rebounds, two assists, plus 20. He was awesome, which is uh, noteworthy because I would say, I would wager this. I'll double-check some stuff while I'm talking. Thursday might have been his worst game of the season. We're talking about a guy who went to Miami, right? He played awesome in the finals in that building last season, right? He knows the heat well. He knows the, the city well. It's a place for him. So, okay, statistically, it wasn't. By game score, Thursday's game, according to our lovely friends at Basketball Reference, was his uh, fourth worst game of the season. 
little off for me. I'll take some heat there. Um, so that's better than I thought. But his defense was not good. He got pulled for it a few times. He did make his shots, whatever. This time, how about doing every single thing right? Bruce Brown finishes 11 for 16 from the field, 4 for 6 from deep. Gets the foul line five times, which is the most on the Pacers, for 30 points. He hit huge, timely corner threes. He penetrated into the lane when the Pacers needed him to and drove to the basket for a lot of those paint points I talked about earlier. And the thing he did much better in this game, he defended like mad. They did better on Butler. He only took nine free throw attempts instead of 20. And he went 12 for 23 from the field. He was on Hawkeye uh, sometimes, who didn't miss on Thursday tonight. He was four for nine and two for five from the foul line. Which was noteworthy. And other Heat guards, right? Kyle Lowry did not make a shot, right? Bruce Brown was way better. Way better. Best offensive game of him by far this season. His his second time over 20 points all year. The first one was opening night. Second one was tonight. And they needed it, right? He is, uh, when he plays like this, obviously when he's attacking the rim like that, he looks fantastic. Like his high scoring games aren't really matchup dependent. Like he gets the same shots, it feels like, about every game. But when he gets really going, Right When he's over 15 points, Pacers are undefeated. So that means he's running hot. That means he's getting to his spots, and he was in this game. He looked phenomenal. Pacers definitely don't win without him. He was plus 22-0. Fantastic outing for Bruce Brown. A game to remember on both ends for him. I don't know what woke him up, but something did, and he was awesome. Miles Turner was also awesome. 10 rebounds, 17 points. Did well patrolling the paint. 8 for 12 from the field. Efficient, grabbing boards. The Pacers needed that rebounding help. The Heat were kicking their butt a little bit on the glass two days ago. Obi Toppin gets a lot of praise from me for this game because he drilled his threes. He's been working on that. I'll have a story about that on Monday. Um, Four for five from deep. All of a sudden, teams that have figured out he can cut, so they guard him a certain way to patrol, to make sure he's not going to be open under the basket and leave him a little more open. He's working on that, and he nailed him in this game. So all of a sudden, the stuff that you don't expect from this Pacers turning five, right? You don't go into a game against the Pacers who have Tyrese Halbert and think, okay, we got to be ready for Bruce Brown to slash us to death. Okay, we don't. We, we got to be ready for Obi Toppin to shoot from from deep. Oh, Miles Turner's gonna just slip in around the basket and kick our butt on the glass, right? Like that's not how you expect the Pacers to kick your butt. That's exactly how the Pacers kick the Heat's butt in this game. Those three. Were awesome. Every moment they were on the floor, the starters in general were very good. Andrew Nemhard couldn't make anything, but he was still passing very well. He set up a lot of guys who didn't make anything in the first half, and then he set up guys who couldn't miss anything in the second half. So yes, he only had four points on one for nine shooting. That's bad. I'm not dismissing that. He also had 11 assists and no turnovers, right? He did very well filling in as a floor general when needed to. But he healed, still can't make shots. It's without Halbert, and he's worse. Um, but was plus 20 because you got to guard him. So the starters without Halbert really stepped up, but mainly the three guys I led with, Brown, Toppin, and Turner, not only did they play exceedingly well, they did it in slightly unconventional ways, at least compared to their normal and compared to when Halbert plays. That's extremely important. And yet the starters got outshined. The bench was unreal, unbelievable from the bench. Let's do some math. Let's talk math. Everybody loves math and talking about sports, right? Ben Matherin. I thought Ben Matherin was awesome on Thursday. Ben Matherin in this game. Six for 10 from the field, two for 10 from deep. So that's six for 10. Isaiah Jackson, backup center. Jalen Smith's out. Three for three from the field. Doesn't miss. Aaron Neesmith. Phenomenal Neesmith game. Seven for nine from the field. Four for six from deep. And TJ McConnell goes 10 
for 11 from the field. And he was the not even the unsung hero of this game. He was the sung hero of this game, which is not even a phrase, but I'll use it anyway. If you could do the math, the bench took 33 shots. Ben Shepard played three and a half minutes. He didn't take a shot. Those guys that I just said before him took 33 shots, and they made 26 of them. That is unreal efficiency. Unbelievable. They were 6 for 9 from deep and 26 of 33 on all their shots. They were humming, and that brick kept them in because they were humming. And sometimes that can backfire because they'll run out of gas or like a lineup adjustment to the other team will kick their butt. No, they kept it rolling, and they did it in both halves of the game. That made mixing and matching easier. Matherin was attacking the paint and hitting his threes. And, oh, by the way, had four assists, which is significant, and had five boards. He was fantastic. If Isaiah Jackson doesn't miss, that typically means he's having a smart, good decision-making night. Yes, he did. Aaron Neesmith was catching and attacking off the bounce and drawing fouls and defending well, much better than he did two nights ago. And he had 20 points. If Neesmith has 20 points, that's generally a good sign because, like Bruce Brown, his shots are pretty much the same regardless of how Burton plays or not. So it just means they went in. And McConnell, whose shots are different based on if Halliburton plays or not, made everything except for one shot. 10 for 11. And oh, by the way, he had 11 assists. McConnell was important to me in this game because, and Nemhard was also really good, but McConnell busted up the heat zone, right? That was something that, that the Pacers had a little bit of trouble with in their last game because they couldn't shoot at all. And they went zone when Bam went out. It's like it, the zone is kind of designed to entice threes to an extent. And the Pacers couldn't hit him. Well, in this game, TJ McConnell was the zone buster, right? He figured out how to set those little screens in the middle of the court and how to dribble between the two guys at the top of the key and get into the paint and force someone else to rotate or force guys to turn their shoulders or change the angles of the zone in a way that got other guys open, in a way that got him open, in ways that let him get to that little fadeaway mid-ranger that he's just going to drill <laughs> apparently 10 of 11 times. So he was awesome. And now I have talked about every single player who played for the Pacers and said they were awesome because they were. And that's how they had to win without Tyrese Halliburton. They needed someone to step up, right? When Halliburton plays, my theory's always been roughly the same in that, okay, what they need is they need one or two other guys to be good or like above their level. Well, in this game, Halliburton didn't play, but everybody was kind of at or above their normal level. Toppin was unbelievable. Turner was fantastic. Bruce Brown had his best game of the season. McConnell maybe had his best game of the season, probably. Neesmith had one of his best games of the season. Matherin was awesome. Jackson didn't miss a shot. I mean, Nemhard maybe had his best passing game of the season. Like, everybody, everybody stepped up. So that was significant for the Pacers. And oh, before we're done, we talked about the points in the paint. We talked about the bench. But there were a few things the Pacers did adjustment-wise to do this win without Halliburton. One was something I already said, attacking the rim without Bam. I think that was big. The Pacers are good at these adjustments from game to game, right? That's something they did against the Sixers very well. They right, they turned to McConnell earlier. They put more of a, uh, an emphasis on the rebounding up in Philly. They changed the way they defended Maxi. They did a lot of stuff different, and it was significant. Well, this one, besides the stuff I, I already said about Bam and about attacking the rim, I thought something they did very well, and this was part of what got Bruce Brown going. This was my first note of the game, and this stayed true for all four quarters. My very first note is attacking Duncan Robinson on first possession with Bruce. <laughs> well, they kept going to that. When the Pacers could, they would attack Duncan Robinson. He's so far and away the week. No offense to Duncan Robinson. He's a good player. He was good in this game, but he's the worst defender by far of the Heat starting five, especially when Haywood Highsmith got hurt. Haywood Highsmith's also a good player. But they just attacked whoever he was on, and that ended up being Bruce Brown quite a bit. 
And the Pacers punished that. And that's credit to them. They didn't. They should have done that more on Thursday, um, but they didn't. And they were playing well in that first game anyway. So you don't need to adjust too much, but then they couldn't make anything in the second half. Either way, they adjusted to that more. That was important. They also put more of an emphasis on the glass. They didn't foul as much. They fouled like crazy. They still had 24, but they fouled like crazy, absolute crazy on Thursday night. And the big one to me, if they're going to win without Tyrese Halberton, I talked about this a lot last year when Halberton was out. They have to, have to, have to win the possession battle. Usually, this wasn't the case in this game, but usually when you don't have Tyrese Halberton and you're the Pacers, you are not going to win the efficiency battle. And funnily enough, they almost didn't in this game, right? Until the fourth quarter barrage, they were actually shooting worse from three, like I said, than the Heat were. And they are actually pretty close in twos. And they still lost the foul line percentage and totals, despite going 16 for 20. So the Heat were still a very efficient offense. They scored a bunch of points for a reason. 129. So if you're going to win without Tyrese Halburn, who is a walking efficient offense, right? The Pacers' effective field goal percentage is like seven points or seven percentage points better when Halburn's on the court than off both because he himself is very efficient with the ball and because his passing makes everybody else more efficient and the attention he draws makes everybody else's shots a lot easier. Everybody knows this stuff, but it's important to reiterate that when he doesn't play, the opposite effect is happening. And so usually when he doesn't play, it's very important for the Pacers to win the possession battle, to have more chances than their opponent. Fewer turnovers, more offensive rebounds, less fouls so you're not taking the ball out of the net as much so you're in transition and so you have the most possible chances to be inefficient and keep up so again they were efficient in this game they hit half their threes they were awesome at the rim and they made their free throws but usually they have to win the possession battle and by a decent amount when Tyrese Halburn doesn't play and that's why I thought it was significant that the Pacers in this game had nine turnovers in the whole game that's fantastic and won the rebounding battle so even though the Heat ends up taking uh, more shots from the field, barely. The Pacers could keep up with their threes. Um, the, the Heat took more shots because of offensive rebounds. But they, the Pacers could keep up in the shot department. They were like 11 behind on Thursday. They were four behind today, and they made their threes. And so they kept the possession battle closer than they did two nights ago. I thought that was a very important adjustment, something they have to do when Tyrese Halliburton's not there. If they had 16 turnovers in this game, for example, that's a – Bigger jump. That's seven possessions. But that's huge, right? In a in a fifteen point win, seven possessions is a big deal. So, Pacers did a lot of stuff way better. But I think the simple answer is just everybody was ready to play, and they stepped up, and they had a game plan, and they started slow, and they stuck to it, and they adjusted. And even with Jimmy Butler playing, who just kicked their butt two nights before, everybody was like, "No, nah, we're not letting that happen again." And they got it done. Big win for the Pacers, who needed it before a tough stretch of schedule. This week, in-season tournament, Celtics for sure Monday, and then either Bucks or Knicks later in the week, uh, location TBD. Will not be Cambridge Fieldhouse. That's all we know. It's either Vegas or New York or Milwaukee. So we'll see, and we'll cover it all here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Tomorrow, Monday, you're getting me and John Kraus of Lockdown Celtics talking in-season tournament, quarterfinal action, Pacers-Celtics. Can the Pacers do better than losing by 50? Can they go to Vegas? We're talking about it all here. Unlocked on Pacers. If you're listening on Sunday, thanks for listening on your Sunday. I really appreciate that. I hope you're enjoying some time off or watching some football. But if you're not, I hope you get to enjoy some time soon. 
We'll be back Monday. Like I said, I'm on Twitter at Tony R. East. The show is at Locked on Pacers. Thank you all a ton for listening. Have a great rest of your day. You know, see you soon.